Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It is the 27th of June, 2023. Summer is in full swing up here. It is. We had an amazing summertide party. Yes, we did. Over the weekend to welcome summer. And summer, summer is here in, yeah. in all of its glory. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And uh, there was lots of water ways to get wet and to get cooled off. And actually, we have the amazing Anchors Lookout. And it just, it's just so amazing because it offers that shade. And so you just don't notice the heat quite as much in there. I like to say that there's, there seems to be a blessing of the Lord for wind to blow through Anchors Lookout. It does. And you're standing in there and you're under that wonderful canopy of shade and you're talking and then all of a sudden this breeze comes and you're like, oh my gosh, you know? I mean, I don't even, it's just God. Yeah, and you know, we've had some some wondrous weather. I mean, it it was really, it was hot, but you got water slides and things. You want it to be warm for that. Yeah. We had the baptisms and dedications a couple of weeks ago, and we couldn't have had a more beautiful day. Like it's just, just feels like the cloud by day and the fire by night. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The cold, the cold front was definitely canceled. But, <laughs> right, it was. But we're it's summer, and so we're we're ready for that. Yeah. Sun, summer morning tea. It's hot tea, and it's not quite the same as it is when it's really cold outside, but no. it's still quite lovely. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a little overcast here just yet, and so it feels a little cozy. Yeah. Looking out those windows. That's right. It's, it's true. Yeah. Very cozy. Yeah. Um, we do have an announcement. Yes. We have prayed and considered, and um, this will be the last morning tea until after August Rush. Yes. So that allows us the space to prepare for August Rush because we, we're in the midst of immersion too. And so we want to just be able to, yeah, just have the balance of all that. And so we're going to pause morning tea because we find in this last month, well, I should say probably you do because I'm like, AR, come to me. Um, but it's it's hard not to just start talking about August Rush or morning t- winter tea, no matter you know whichever season we're in. It's it's hard to not start pouring that in when it's still stirring. And so yeah, we just need to give ourselves space, and we've been doing that the past few few bits. Um, when we're getting ready for winter tea and AR. So if you are local and you've been doing podcast perusal, no worries because Oat is choosing some podcast that she thinks is important, you know, leading up to August Rush that um, will have a list and you can listen to those and then still take part in podcast perusal. Yeah, it's like um, Elohim has shown us this season of rest and and it it's not just a season it's it's a new level of rest yeah rest that prevents stress i guess deeper be. shade of rest we're all in just responding yeah yeah so that's that's a lovely thing for us it is it is yeah yes well and i feel like maybe this morning i'm going to use the phrase short but sweet I was uh, talking to Elohim and, you know, it just seems like 
if you really look into the world, there is a creeping darkness that's coming. But we also know from long ago that when you have like gray skies, there are no shadows. And so the more light that comes into the world, those obstacles produce shadow. And so it's, it's, you can look at it that the glass is half, half full, or you can say the glass is half empty. And really, it's, it's that the light is getting brighter and brighter. And the brighter the light gets, the more that those obstacles produce that shadow. And so here's what I hear God saying right now. Elohim took me to um, Matthew chapter 5, and two verses, verse 13 and 14. But instead of doing the entire verses, God was like, just, just take the, the first sentence of each of these verses. So it's the Matthew 5, 13a and 14a. And so it simplifies this message that Jesus was saying, red letter, here comes Jesus. And Jesus, this is an oldie, but a goodie. They all are in the Bible. But <laughs> right. uh, he basically says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. And I removed uh, some other language in there, just, just as God said, to emphasize you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I think, you know, a lot of times we'll see this, you know, and, and when you do read the fullness of those verses, you can see Jesus is talking about um, taste, the tastiness of things. And if salt loses its tastiness, you know, what else, what else is it used for? And so it's, it's no good. So there's a whole other side to this, which is to make sure that we remain tasty and to make sure that our light is not hidden. But what we are hearing today in the where the place that the world is now, 2,000 years after Jesus said these things, is for us to focus on what Jesus is saying. Who are we? We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And so, um, what does this mean to Jesus today? And the, the obvious but beautiful cross-reference from what Jesus said in Matthew 15, that as a part of what Jesus said, Jesus was actually quoting a psalm, of course. And that psalm is Psalm 34, verse 8. And again, I'm just going to do the first sentence, so it's going to be 8a, and it's very simply this, taste and see that the Lord is good. So you have two words here, taste and see, and taste is salt and see is the light. And so when, when we read in the Psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good, and then we hear Jesus saying to us, we are the taste and we are the see. So we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And so the completion of this psalm was, was given to the world by Jesus, and we, the bride, get to respond to it by living it, and living it to the fullness of what was intended by Elohim when spoken through the psalm and when spoken by Jesus. So the word for taste from Psalm 34, 8 
uh, which will connect to salt, but that word for taste is ta'am. And ta'am is Hebrew 2938. It is a primitive root verb, and it's made from tate, ayin, and mem. I'd like to say this. It's pretty rare for God to give us a word that has tate in it. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not... It's just not a, it's not a consonant that we run into very often, um, which is strange, uh, but it's very true. I, I I do enough of these over many years that it's 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 just not doesn't happen very often. So ta'am is taste, tate ayin ayin and mem, and so um, and then we have the word for light or or see so taste and see so in american english we hear see and and we're you know we don't know with confidence you know is this is this like you know uh, a word that's being used you know as a picture or does this literally mean to use your eyeballs and see something well, it does. It's a literal word. Literally taste and literally look with your eyes. That word is ra'ah, which is Hebrew 7200 or 7200. And it too is a primitive root verb made from resh, aleph, and hey. So what we had with this are two, um, two expressions from the Hebrew and God said, put them together because taste and see describe you and they're not, you're not to separate them, keep them together. Mm-hmm. So when I put them together, I actually got a sentence. Kind of cool. So from Ta'am, we have choose to see the bride. And from Ra'ah, we have awaken the groom's fruitfulness. So the sentence is choose to see the bride awaken the groom's fruitfulness. We, the bride, are awakening the fruitfulness of the groom. And how God re-said that to me was, the firstborn awakens the rest of the bride. So this is a story we've heard from the very beginning. And, and you cannot fathom to what degree we, the people of God, are the salt of the earth and the light of the world than we are today and from today forward. We, we really are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, which, which means we are the ones through which the world will understand how good God is. Through us, they will taste and see. They will have salt and they will have light. And Jesus, who's describing us to me with beautiful language, you know, I think it's too easy to see so many things that Jesus said through the lens of correction because Jesus was dealing with this generation that he didn't describe in the nicest terms, not because he didn't like the people, but but they just hadn't chosen well. Jesus was so desperate, you know, Matthew 17, 17, Jesus was so desperate to find that chosen generation, that royal priesthood. And when he didn't, it was very painful for him. But, you know, reviewing what Jesus spoke to us in general is love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, and love your enemies, right? Matthew 5, 44, and Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. So we hear in all of these things Jesus has called us to do, we hear to love. 
and it's God who is love, right? First John 4, 8. So to, to express love is to express God. And so it gets pretty simple. When we have intimacy with the one who is love, we will love everyone. Hmm. We'll love God, we'll love our neighbor, we'll love ourselves. we'll love our enemies. That's everybody. There's really no one excluded from that, right? <laughs> yeah. No exclusions. No exclusions. So this brings our, the taste and the clarity to the world is when we uh, have intimacy with the one who is love, and from that, we love everyone. So the world can then see the goodness of God. And, and we actually believe many will choose the covenant of eternal love because we had intimacy with God. God loved through us. And when God loved through us, Jesus is the faithful and the true. Jesus is the amen inside of us. How did we get to be faithful and true? When God commanded us and then, and then gave from Elohim so that everything that was commanded could be done. So where is, what is the source of our obedience to God? God. I love it. It yeah, just it doesn't love, get any better than that. Yeah. Jesus is the faithful and true. Jesus said it. I am the amen. I am the faithful and true. So how, how, how do we get to be faithful and true? We need I am to be the faithful and true inside of us. So love God, you guys. Have your own personal intimate relationship with God. Choose intimacy with God. And when you are intimate with God, God moves through you every single day in daily bread portions. God will bring the, the love, which is God, to the world. And so God is loved. Our neighbors are loved. We are loved. And our enemies are loved. Everybody's loved. And, the, and who can beat that? You know, who can beat that? The world will, will see the world will taste the goodness of God through the love of the world because we are the salt, we're the taste, we are the light, we are the sea, and the world will taste and see that God is good. Yes. Yes. I'm here for that. Amen. Oh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to uh, tell a little story before I dive into my actual morning tea topic. <laughs> but um, Sunday, when we were at the Summertide Party which again was just really fun. It was really fun. And um, there was a puppy that showed up and it, it, this wasn't the puppy's first appearance. It actually showed up at Two Gather. So we came out and here's this, you know, we come out the doors at the end of Two Gather last week and here's this puppy and just sweet and, you know, very uh, friendly and you know, wanted to be petted, that kind of thing. And so, you know, in an instant like that, you just think, oh, it ran over from, you know, one of the other properties. But we come to the the party, and here's this puppy. And this puppy is so sweet and was so hot and was so thirsty and so hungry and just needed sanctuary, you know, truly. And uh, so... You know, the kids were just gaga over, over this 
puppy. And uh, so I'm walking with some of the kids, and they, they said, oh, do you know the dog's name? And I mean, I'm really thinking, if we know the dog's name, do we know where the dog should be living? <laughs> so I just say, no, what's the dog's name? And they said, Spirit. And I said, how do you know that's this puppy's name? And they said, oh, that's what we named her. And I just thought it was so interesting. The puppy is a girl, and and they named her Spirit. And we just, in the podcast, have been talking about from Pentecost to the new year, these are the days of the Spirit. To Not that they're the only days of the Spirit. They're the days for us to be recognizing, reconciling to the Holy Spirit, just really allowing, um, inviting just in everything we're doing that the Spirit would be who is stirring us and moving us and prompting us and uh, revealing to us. So that just felt very, very important that in the days of of the spirit where there's just this focus we have so that we you know when we have a focus like this it's so in the days to come we don't lose track of of where we've been we don't lo- lose track of what Elohim's been doing and so the spirit is moving the spirit is uh, just going deep and wide right now and I'm sure so many of you feel it just in, in, internally, like just the Spirit stirring, revealing things, helping you recognize things that you hadn't before. And it's just, it's pretty amazing. But we just had this signpost and uh, Spirit is currently our next door neighbor <laughs> looking at Axel and Tov just they, they just felt like we cannot leave this puppy here and so brought her home I think she's been renamed uh, <laughs> for for now um, but it's still a spirit name honestly and uh, so we're so you guys can all just join us in, in finding a home for spirit because we know we know this is a signpost I actually had a dream and I, I rarely dream about current things and in the dream, Ryder was kind of taking care of spirit. And Ryder's covenant is a compass to adventure, a compass to the way we're really meant to live, you know, just an adventure, just looking for Elohim in every single thing. So he's taking care of spirit, and he says, somebody told me not to let her go into the houses. And I was like, oh, huh, you know, and I didn't quite know who told him this but the problem was spirit was the doors kept opening and spirit was going in and there was just this row of houses and she went into everyone you know I couldn't see in the dream what she was doing in it in each home but then our door opened and she went in and I followed her in and she just laid down and just was taking these deep breaths of of contentment, really. And so it just felt like the spirit was stirring contentment and and little rioter was <laughs> was just stewarding that. So that was pretty amazing. So I just knew like we we don't want to miss some things that are being revealed to us right now. So um, so as we have come into summer, and, you know, we had a pretty mild spring here. I think we feel like it, you know, we definitely weren't having some of those higher temperatures we can have in Oklahoma in the spring. But when summer, 
was being ushered in, those temperatures went right up and, you know, have stayed up. And so I've just been considering that we're in this month of Arba. And, um, you know, one of the markings of it is the, the heat that reveals hidden things. And Aida and I were talking um, yesterday, and she was saying, does it seem like this heat is having a different, you know, the physical heat is having a different impact than other other summers? And I was like, yeah, it does. And um, so we were just kind of talking about that. And, and I said, it seems like it's taking, it's supposed to reveal, but it's taking. And so I think that's a watchful place for us that that the heat of the spirit the fire of the spirit is meant to reveal but this heat externally might be revealing that um that maybe we're not as comfortable with the heat of the spirit and so um the heat and the natural is is taking from us instead of instead of things being revealed, hidden things being revealed. So just plopping that there. But it really, when when Aida brought that up yesterday, it really met me in a place I've been just considering for a bit. And it's it's a historical event for the two of us, which is they're all your brothers. And that has really been just ruminating through me for a bit. And then I think... Um, and sharing about the month that we're in last week and how it really is a time and space that intersect and make room for tikkun alam, which is one of our social justice words. And I'm going to come back to that, to that in a moment. But they're all your brothers. That that encounter that we had with the Lord, that is the moment I can think of where I experienced the most intense heat I ever have. And it was, you know, we, we were inside, we were in the air conditioning, we, you know, it wasn't anything external, but, you know, you had just found out that your friend, you know, your best friend from childhood had died, you know, a few years before, but you're just finding out. And, you know, I came into the room, I had never seen you like that. I had never seen you in that way. Just so torn, open, so um, devastated. And, and, and you started saying, Papa, he's, he's my brother, you know, and you just were, you just were in this lament, like this, your garment was torn, you just had entered into grief, your garment was torn, and you just revealed to the world of me that you were devastated, that your heart was broken into Papa, and you were just in lament, which is is such a powerful part of grieving. It's just expressing these things. And so you you were expressing to the Lord and and you know that's when I just had that moment. I just I just knelt by you and just sat with you as you wept. And then you, you said that again, he was my brother. And that's when, you know, there was no thought, there was nothing. It just came out, they're all your brothers. And what was happening for me as I was feeling these flames, like coming up my feet and up my legs, and it, like I had to kind of get up and walk around. It was so uncomfortable. And I knew it was it was the flames of a different eternity. And that, 
you know, that wasn't going to be our focus. The flame of the, of the priesthood was like we were going to keep that fire burning so all could see, so everyone could see. And so that's just been ruminating that experience, that encounter we had that marked us, changed us forever. And we do, you know, what we do, we started this because of that moment, you know. And so I just really felt like Elohim wanted to talk about that. The Spirit was stirring it for sure. And so um, I just felt like that there was a story the Spirit wanted to guide me to. El Shaddai just wanted to take me to in, in our history, in the Bible, about they're all your brothers. And somehow this idea of tikkun alam. And so I found it in a firstborn. And, uh, and, and in the, the space and span that we are in right now, in the month of Arba, and the tribe of this month is Reuben. So Reuben uh, is the firstborn of Jacob. And so Reuben was born to Jacob and Leah. And, you know, that story is, is very familiar to us. Leah, you know, there was a trickery. There was a, a deceit that led to Jacob marrying Leah. And you can visit uh, Wakes in the book Terraforming Waves. And within Wakes, it's the Wake of Reconciliation. And I'm going to touch on that. But, you know, Leah felt very unseen, unloved, um, that kind of thing. And so she has her first son, and she names him Reuben because God saw her affliction. Now, an amazing thing that, that Leah did, she didn't name Reuben affliction. You know, she, affliction is not in his name. His name means to see, but she recognized that she was seen, that God saw her. And and so this word that God saw her affliction, that word affliction in Hebrew is uh, ani, and it's a word used for being in poverty. So, you know, you can be completely taken care of in the natural, in the material way, which I'm sure Leah was, um, but she was emotionally impoverished. She was in this poverty. She had love to give. She had affection to give but no one really to give it to in the way that, that she longed to give it. And so now God gives her a son, and um, in fact, she had many sons, so she, she ended up with many to love. But her expectation was that her husband Jacob was now going to love her because she had the son, but he didn't ultimately show her the affection and give her the intimacy that she longed for. So in some ways, she missed the real joy set before her, but but she got there. <laughs> so, so this wasn't just any son. This is a firstborn. So he's the future patriarch of the family. And so, you know, a lot of attention is going to be, you know, placed on Reuben. So Reuben comes from the word ru, which comes from the word ra'ah, which means to see. And this is really important because it's not, it's spiritually and physically. So in the natural and the supernatural, that's what this means. And then ben means son. 
So that's why she said, God sees my affliction and gave me this son. But she called him Reuben and, and didn't name him for the affliction, which I really appreciate that she didn't do. So, so Reuben um, was, because of that word son within the name, son in Hebrew, ben, that word means to build. And so basically it means to build from the fabric of what you're of. You know, and so the firstborn is like the steward of covenant, all those things. And so um, it means to build the legacy or to be the heir, to continue what is already started. Okay, so I think for Leah, Reuben reminded her as she went that, that even though she felt alone and maybe you know, her husband and people around her didn't understand her hidden heartbreaks, they didn't see those the rejection, even her fear of the future that God saw. God saw it and he understood and he provided for it. He provided for that. Reuben, he kind of had a rocky start. <laughs> so he, he really demanded honor for himself while not giving honor where, where it should have been. And so, but he revealed this faithfulness of Papa that what we think we deserve is not always given because he's faithful. And then you can take that in several context, context, but you know, what is deserved for our sin, for our falls and fails is not given because he's faithful, but also he cares for us enough that, that he says no. And we tend to our yeses, but we get to tend to those no's as well. Those no's matter when he knows what's best for us and he says no. That that's his faithfulness as well, and we get to be faithful to the no's. And Reuben had trouble being faithful to the no. And so, um, but he didn't stay in that rocky path. He, he ended up in a fertile field um, Actually, he was known that when he would walk through the fields and there were the, the crops that sustained, um, and he appreciated those, but he would go past those to the place in the field where he could see the heavens, where he could read the story, where he could see plants and planets, and he could see the whole story of this harvest that was precious to the Lord. And so he very easily... Um, was just wrapped. He just became wrapped in the presence of God. And then also, it was Reuben who picked the dudaim, which is like a mandrake, and he gave it to his mother. Um, and and then Leah, and this is in that that chapter wakes. Leah traded with his, with her sister um, Rachel, and this whole this whole uh, story unfolds and there's a reconciliation between the sisters. And it was Reuben that recognized there was something needed, that there was a poverty, there was this impoverished place and that there was a provision for it. And he, he was part of that. So Reuben got it. <laughs> and actually in the Midrash, it says that Reuben 
regretted his misdeeds so greatly that he would fast, he would put on sackcloth, ashes, and he would engage in repentance, in like this true repentance. And and it was kind of considered revolutionary, the way he did this at that time. And so, uh, he's considered one that opened the portal of teshuva, or return. And so, that's that's pretty pretty big thing. So, so I want to take us to a place in Reuben's story where they're all your brothers came forth. So this is in Numbers 32. So the Israelites had not yet crossed through the Jordan to occupy the land. And as they're waiting to do that, Reuben and Gad, so this isn't Reuben and Gad, this is the children of Reuben and Gad, but the descendants of Reuben and Gad, the leaders of those tribes now come to Moses and they have this request. So they saw the land on their current side of the Jordan, where they were, and that, that land was already conquered, it was fertile, it was prosperous, and so they, they saw that it was good for cattle. So they asked Moses to give them that land instead of the land on the other side. And Moses, and you just you have to read <laughs> Numbers 32 because it's really powerful, and there's probably a lot of things in there you may not have seen. But Moses lays out this concern. And he says, shall your brothers go to war and you not? By doing this, you will sway the hearts of the people just as your fathers did. The spies swayed the people and they died in the desert. Will you do the same? So, you know, Moses lays this out. You know, should your fellow Israelites go to war, your brothers, while you sit here, why would you discourage them from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did. And, and because of that, they, they died in the wilderness. So Moses just reveals what, you know, what he's feeling, what's concerning him. And, and he's, he's pretty strong about it. You know, will you redo this? Will you relive that instead of recounting the goodness of God, will you cause us to relive this story? And so he shares this. And the amazing thing is, you know, Reuben could have countered this with, you're overreacting, you know, or why are you seeing it that way? But he didn't. It says in verse 16 that Reuben and Gad came, they approached Moses and they said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children, but we will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of our brothers until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of our brothers have received their inheritance." We will not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because ours has come to us on the east side of the Jordan. Okay, so here's a really important thing. That word approached is really important because it means, so this is after hearing Moses' concerns what was what he was fearful about what you know what he knew could happen approached means to draw near or close a gap so this place where history 
was really present. They, they closed the gap. They said, we don't want this to divide us. We want to draw near. They let Moses know they heard him. They heard his concerns. They heard him. They heard their history, and they understood his heart. And from that understanding, they said not only would they fight, but they would be the front line. They would go first, and they would not stop until every tribe occupied their inheritance. It's just, it's really, it's just amazing how they let a difference draw them together. They had a a difference of view, a difference of opinion, but they let that draw them together. And so they approached and offered, offered what Moses' heart needed, what the Lord desired was this oneness, this unity. And they they offered that, no, we won't repeat history. We will not repeat this history. And so they gave this currency of trust. Like, we trust that your heart is for all the tribes. Will you trust that our heart is for our brothers? Will you trust that? And Moses made the choice that he would. And he said something so interesting. He said, if they did what they, if they honored, here this, this, tribe that had not been known for honor, but if they would walk in honor to what they said, they would be guiltless before God. If they failed to honor it, they would have sinned before God, and this is so interesting, and they would know it. They would know, not just we made a mistake, they would know how God felt about it. They would know the impact that it created. They would know the consequence that rippled out from it. They would know and live in that. So, so now Moses has to go, you know, needs to go to the rest of the tribes. And uh, he uses kind of a different language. Like when he's talking with Reuben and Gad, he doesn't use like a language of law. It's this, it's this relationship of trust that they have. But when he's talking to the, the rest of the tribes, he does use this, this more legal language um, that there's consequence to consider because they they didn't they weren't in that moment where this trust was exchanged and so they needed it to be you're not going to have loss from this like these are the brothers right they need to know someone cares about them that someone is not just for them but going in with them you know and so he, he tells it like, this is what they're going to do. This is what this means. This is the, the impact to you. This is the impact to them. So he, he brings this more, uh, the stronger language in for this. Okay, now here's something so important in this story. So Moses basically says to Reuben and Gad, how could you betray your brothers? How could you do that? Will you do as your fathers did? Do you care if the nation dies out? So he is talking about, you know, the the spies and their fathers, but he does something that indicates he's telling a a deeper story, which is he gives, so he assures all of this for Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. This is so interesting because Manasseh didn't ask. They didn't ask to be part of this deal. They weren't, they didn't come to Moses. They didn't have this request, but they get placed in. So half of them are going to be on this east side of the Jordan, and the other half are going to be, you know, within 
the promised land. So there was this history that Moses was reconciling. And because there was this shadow over where they were right then, and so it wasn't just the familiar story of the side, the spies, but one that held the thread of they're all your brothers. So he brought Moses brought forward a painful past so that they wouldn't pass each other by, but they'd take a deeper look at each other, because there was a brother whose brothers conspired against him, and that was Joseph. It was Reuben who threw Joseph into the pit. Now, thinking somehow he was sparing him because they, you know, he was a voice and not killing him. And Reuben was a part of the redemption of Egypt. But this tribe now says, the tribe of Reuben says, we will take responsibilities for our brothers. We will take responsibility. We will not leave them abandoned like Joseph once was. So the two stories share the same backdrop, Joseph's wilderness and this wilderness of the Israelites. And, you know, the homelessness of the tribes of, of God's people really began with that cell of Joseph into slavery. Before this, they all lived together in their homeland. And after the cell, they began to wander and just always looking for their land, looking for home. And now in this current moment, the invitation is for the tribes to go and dwell together again in the land that is theirs, that they would return together. And here's Reuben's tribe, Reuben, who opened this gate of return. So Moses took them back to that betrayal so they could live the tikkun olam, which is to repair and prepare the universe by facing the world, looking at the wrongs and righting them, to be in partnership with Papa, to restore creation and find all the scattered light to bring it together so all could see, to respond to Papa and not react to each other, to approach each other, to close the gap, and to understand where the other was coming from you know, you don't have to completely agree to care. You don't have to completely agree to help someone. You can understand. You can look it in the face. And so this was very significant that Moses added this half-tribe of Manasseh, even though they didn't request it, they didn't ask to remain. Manasseh was the firstborn of Joseph, He was born to him in Egypt, and his name meant, for God has allowed me to forget my hardships. Last week, we said that this, there is healing in our hardships. And Joseph saw that there was healing for him in his hardships. God has allowed me to forget my hardships. He let go in that moment of being abandoned by his brothers. He let go of the past to build a future. He moved from the pain of the past, and now his firstborn would be the glue, the generosity that kept them together spread across borders. And so I think in this season, some of the heat is revealing what we haven't looked in the face, the place where we get to say they're all our brothers, and we care that that every we care about the history. We see someone's history, and even though it's different than ours, we're part of the future. We're part of the reconciliation. We're part of opening that teshuva gate, that place of return, 
so that all of our brothers and sisters can occupy the space Elohim has for them, has had for them from the beginning. We have so many things in our in our history that are present in our story now that that cast that same shadow that the story of Joseph cast over that moment, you know, before entering into the promised land where maybe we haven't considered all we should, maybe we haven't looked it in the face and and wanted more than anything for our brothers, for our sisters to enter into the fullness of their inheritance and to be part, to be the tikkun alam that rights the wrongs, that, that looks for what is our part. Maybe it's just hearing the story and understanding and praying, or maybe there's, there's a response that there is for us, but to, that we would approach each other. That's the first step in this social justice is to, is to approach each other to recognize the poverty that is there in each person. You know, it may be a physical poverty or it may be an emotional one, a historical one, one that just continues to exist. And we look at those things together and we hear and we, we close the gap. We are part of repairing the world of, you know, we may not be able to change history, but we can affect the future. And we can look with those eyes, you know, this is the, the behold, the time to see. And it's that vision that is spiritual and physical, natural and supernatural. And see what Papa's heart is, not what's been established, not what seems like it can never change, but what is, what's Papa's heart? Because we see here, it's oneness. We see here, it's going together. We see here, it's caring about each other's land, caring about each other's future and, and inheritance and, and being part of helping each other occupy our inheritance to heal from wounds, to heal um, from those different things, just like, you know, Reuben was given to Leah, and it was an invitation to heal, to change, to, to be restored. And Joseph made that choice. There's healing in my hardships. The Lord has caused me to forget them, and I just love my brothers. You know, he was able to just love them, and it didn't start in the moment when they came to Egypt and all of that story. It started when he had this son and named him, and he's like, those things I, I've given to you, I'm healed, I'm whole, I can love all my brothers now. And we, as we heal of our wounds, can love all our brothers, because they're all our brothers. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's just, that's just an astounding call that God has for us to go and get them. Yeah. And, um, and they will taste and see that God is good. Yeah. I think that's such the picture of Manasseh. You could say they were on both sides of the river, but actually they bridged the divide. There was no divide because they were on both sides. So they, yeah, they could come together. Amen. Yay. 
All right. Well, we we have another announcement, which is we have changed our together time, our start time to 6 p.m. So from going forward, we'll be meeting at 6 p.m. So know that for the live stream. Tonight is doxology. So live stream should start about 7-ish, um, 7, 715 probably closer to 7.15. Um, but yeah, so we will see you there. It's for love. Love you. If you haven't registered for AR, do it. Do it now. We'll see ya.